Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so before we start, I just want to say that I was surprisingly like emo during this episode. And I why <laughs> I think it was just like the whole like like dad leaving the son, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's yeah. Like that whole thing. And then like, you know, you see like young John you know, being, being all cute and little and not angsty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I just, I, um, the first time I watched this episode, cause I think this is literally only the second time I've watched this episode. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, I don't remember feeling like, like angsty at all, you know, like, yeah, like I was just like, Oh, okay. Like that's happened. That's interesting. You're probably just like still trying to figure out like what happened you know like Mm -hmm. you're trying to like get all the details in where now it's like okay I know what happens in this episode so I can like focus on other things more you know and I can I can feel (laughs) I can feel things (laughs) so anyways that that surprised me about this episode I like cried a little bit at one point and (laughs) Killian of course is like what are you crying about and I'm like I don't even know like (laughs) like I don't know Right. Okay. So we are talking about season eight, episode 12 called as time goes by. So we're in normal Illinois. It's 1958. We're inside a house at nighttime. Uh, It's pouring rain outside. A toy airplane hangs in a window and other toys line a dresser. A boy is asleep in bed. Um, the camera pans out and we see that a man wearing a hat and a coat, um, is watching him a little creepy, like, but you know, that's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> it's always creepy when someone's watching you sleep. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the man sits down on the bed and pulls the covers up around the boy who wakes up. The man says, Hey sport. Sorry about that. The boy says, where are you going? The man says work. I just wanted to check on you before I left. The boy says, what's that pops? And the camera focuses on a pin with a symbol on it that the man is wearing on his tie. The man says, one day I'll tell you about it. Now get some shut eye. See you first thing in the morning. The man lifts a music box from the bedside table and winds it. It plays the song as time goes by. Uh, The man turns off the light and walks out the door. He says, good night, son. And he closes the door behind him. So we cut to a street. Uh, The man is walking down the street past a jewelry, a jewelry, I can't say it, by some shops. Jewelry shop? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) A jewelry shop and some other shops. They're there. He walks by them. Okay. (laughs) So he stops at a door and knocks twice, then once, then three times. The door opens and he goes inside. A male voice says, good evening, sir. A lightning flashes and we see that the symbol from the man's pin is carved into the door. Um, Inside the building, the man walks down a hallway. A woman in an evening dress is sitting on a bench by a stained glass window. She stands up and he takes off his hat. The man smiles and says, Josie, uh, no one told me this initiation was a formal affair. 
Josie says, well, someone had to class up the joint, right, Henry? And she adjusts the pin on his tie. Now, that seemed a little intimate to me. What about you? I wondered wondered if they had something going on there. I know. I kind of got that uh, vibe from the whole encounter there too yeah yeah. it's like "Mm, somebody running out on their kid right now (laughs) 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 Uh, so henry says ain't that the truth josie says the hard part's over right we made it a man wearing a hooded cape opens a door the symbol from henry's tie pin and the front door is on his cape henry Josie and nods slightly towards the door. Josie walks to the door and reluctantly pauses to look back at Henry, who smiles again. So she walks into the room and closes the door behind her. Henry takes off his hat and coat and sits down. Um, Then there is some screaming and loud banging and a voice speaking in Latin that can be heard from behind the closed door. Henry hurries into the room where he finds two men wearing capes uh, dead on the floor and pools of blood. Another man wearing a hooded cape is standing in front of Josie, speaking loudly in Latin. Um, let's see. A third man wearing a third man? Another man? I think that's, uh, I think that's already three. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think this is four. <laughs> well, there's another dude. and He's wearing a hooded cape. Um, and he speaks to Henry from the floor where he's laying down. His eyes are bleeding. Uh, this man says, Henry. Don't let Abaddon get it. The man uh, hands Henry a small wooden box upon which is carved uh, the same symbol as his tie. Abaddon, possessing Josie, grabs the man still standing uh, who is attempting to exercise her uh, by the throat. The man says, that's impossible. How? Abaddon, with her eyes demon black, screams and snaps the man's neck. Her eyes return to normal. Henry runs from the room, and Abaddon, her dress bloodstained, walks slowly after him. Henry enters a room in which there are ingredients and glass beakers and locks the door behind him. Abaddon uh, walks down the hallway, and Henry takes ingredients from a shelf. Abaddon holds out a hand and telekinetically (laughs) opens a door. Um, Henry adds ingredients to a bowl. Abaddon opens another door. Henry grabs a knife and cuts his palm and lets his blood drip into the bowl. He draws a symbol on the door with a liquid in the bowl, and Abaddon opens another door. Henry chants a spell. Abaddon tries to open this door, but it doesn't budge. The symbol Henry is drawing glows gold, and he chants some more. The door shakes. Henry has completed the symbol. Um, He finishes chanting and falls through the door in a burst of bright light. So we cut to uh, Sam and Dean in their motel room. Dean is tying his bootlaces and Sam is standing by the mirror. Henry falls out of the closet and says, <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, like that's awkward. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says, which of you is John Winchester? And we get our opening title sequence. Um, Henry says, please, time is of the essence. Which of you is John Winchester? Sam says, uh, neither. Henry Maybe says, that's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Henry says, that's impossible. That's absolutely, what did I do wrong? Dean says, who the hell are you, mister? Henry says, not now. I'm thinking. 
Dean grabs Henry and pushes him against the wall and holds him there with an arm across his chest. Henry says, please, I can assure you there's no need for violence. One of you must know John Winchester. Sam says, I'll tell you what, when one of us falls out of your closet, then you can ask the questions. I know, right? Like, come on. He seems a little bit too, like, laid back for this whole thing. You know, he's just yeah. like, oh, whoops, I messed up. And he's, like, not even concerned that he, like, might have just, you know, completely wrecked somebody's, like, <laughs> like any thought of the world, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Henry says, yes, my apologies. It's absolutely essential, sir, that, or is it absolutely essential, sir, that you keep your hands on me? So Dean steps back. Henry says, thank you, gentlemen. In the absence of any and all other explanations, I'm afraid this has been a marvelous, tragic misunderstanding. I'll be on my way. Sam says, that's not happening. Henry says, there are things of grave importance. I do not have the time to deal with the likes of you. Dean picks up elitist much. I know, right? (laughs) Dean Dean picks up some handcuffs uh, from a bag on the table and Sam grabs Henry. Dean takes hold of Henry's wrist and says, you're not going anywhere 007 till we get some answers. Dean tries to handcuff Henry to a chair, but in one motion, Henry breaks away and handcuffs Dean and Sam to the chair. That was impressive. Uh, I gotta say that was super impressive. (laughs) I want to learn that trick. I know. Dean says, how did he do that? You gotta be kidding me. So Sam and Dean struggle with the handcuffs and we cut to the motel parking lot. Henry looks at the cars in the, uh, in the parking lot and a man pushing a modern baby stroller. He sees the Impala walks behind it and looks at the registration sticker on the license plate, which reads nine, 2013. Henry says 2013. My God, I guess the Mayans were wrong. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yep. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, he walks to the driver's side and breaks the window of the Impala with his elbow. That was painful for me to watch for some reason. Like that affected me more than all those like. That would hurt so bad. I was just like, not baby. I know, like, uh, also your elbow, like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, is it broken? (laughs) I don't think your suit is that thick, you know. (laughs) Right. So he unlocks the door and gets in. Dean cocks his gun and points it at Henry through the open window. He says, nice taste in wheels. Sam opens the passenger side door. Henry says, yours, I presume? So we cut to inside the motel room. Henry sits in a chair. They splash water on his face and he laughs. Henry says, and there with the holy water. Sam says, he's clean. Henry says, I could have told you that. And he pulls down his sleeve over a cut on his left arm. Dean says, yeah, well, you can start by telling us everything before I beat it out of you. Henry says, I'm quite certain this is all beyond your understanding, my alpha male monkey friend, and violence will not help you comprehend this any easier. Dean points his gun at Henry and grabs the front of his, the front of his jacket. Dean says, let me tell you what I understand. Some asshat pops out of my closet asking about my dad, smashes up my ride. So why am I not getting violent again? Henry says, John Winchester is your father. There's a loud rattling noise. Henry says, what is that? He gets to his feet and says, oh my God. Dean says, what? Henry says, run. The closet door bursts open and a flash of bright light and Abaddon, possessing Josie still, steps out. Abaddon says, Henry. And she laughs. 
She says, silly man, you forgot to lock the door. But then spells never were your best subject, were they? Why don't you be a doll and give me what I want? And I promise to kill you and your friends here quickly. Henry says, you know, I can't do that. Abaddon says, you're not a fighter, Henry. Dean raises his gun. Abaddon lifts her arms and says, Sam and Dean flying into the walls. Like, of course, it's only been like, what, half an episode since they've flown into a wall? I know. Like, God. <laughs> they literally are constantly crashing into things. <laughs> God. So Henry tries to move, but Abaddon holds up a hand to stop him. Henry says, Josie, I know you're still in there. You must fight this. Abaddon says, I'm afraid Josie's indisposed, pet. It looks like it's just you and me. Dean then stabs Abaddon in the back with his demon killing knife. She screams and falls to her knees with gold light flashing inside her body. Um, and then the light fades away. Abaddon says, well, that is no way to treat a lady. Sam and Dean and Henry run from the room and over to baby. Um, Dean and Henry are in the front seats of the Impala and Sam jumps in the back behind Henry. Sam says, go, 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 go. So Dean backs out of the parking spot while Sam is still closing his door and they drive away um, towards an oncoming car. Uh, a man in the motel office watches them and runs outside to shout after them. He yells, hey, 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 why do you think this guy is yelling at him? Is it because they're driving away recklessly or because maybe they didn't pay and it looks like they're running out on their bill? Like I was a little confused about why this guy was even outside yelling at them i don't honestly remember it so <laughs> okay i just remember being like mm, i don't like, know why what? this is happening yeah yeah okay so that man turns around to find abaddon standing right in front of him um he notices her bloodstained dress and says are you okay lady abaddon grabs the man's jacket and pulls him towards her the man says what the hell are you doing and she breathes black smoke into the man's mouth and says show me what you've seen the man's eyes turn cloudy and dark, and we see flashbacks of Dean signing the receipt for the motel room as Sam stands outside the office, and we see Dean, Henry, and Sam running for the Impala, and the Impala driving away, and the Impala's license plates. Uh, the gray then fades from the man's eyes, and the black smoke flows from his mouth back into Abaddon's. She says, thank you. By the way, I'm checking out. And she slaps the man hard, breaking his neck. And he drops to his knees. That is a hard slap, man. If you can just like break someone's neck like that. <laughs> I know. I was have like all the power. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. You know. Like, <laughs> God. <laughs> so we I'm cut to the slap you dead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. You're not gonna survive this. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to the boys. Uh, the Impala drives along a road and passes under a bridge. Dean pulls over to the side and Henry gets out of the car. He hurries a short distance away and horks everywhere. <laughs> um, Sam and Dean also get out of the car. Sam says, are you okay? Henry says, yes, I will be. And he voms again <laughs> and wipes his mouth. Yeah, I know. And wipes his mouth. Um, he says, it's just all the adventures I enjoy are usually of the literary nature. Dean says, yeah, well, now that you're done blowing chunks, you want to tell us who Betty Crocker was? Henry says, Abaddon, she's a demon. Sam says, no kidding. Where'd she come from? Dean says, where'd you come from? Henry says, she's from hell. I'm from normal Illinois, 1958. Dean says, yeah, right. Seriously? 
dudes time traveling through motel room closets. That's what we've come to. Henry says, if you could just take me to John, we could clear all this up. I'm sure. Dean says, I've told you that's not going to happen. Henry says, why not? Dean says, because he's dead, <laughs> which wasn't a nice thing to shout at him, Dean, but that's no, fine. No, but like, I kind of get it. You have no idea who this person is, really. And they're just like bothering you and bothering you and bothering you about your dead father. You know, like, yeah, that's what true. Do you want, you know, like, leave me yeah. alone. <laughs> Henry says, no. And he turns away. Sam says, what's it to you? Henry says, everything. I'm his father. So we cut to a short time later. Uh, we're inside a diner. We see a close up of a black and white photo of Henry holding a baseball with his arm around a young John holding a bat. Um, Henry is sitting at a table holding this photograph. Sam and Dean are standing at the counter. Sam says, uh, driver's license says he's Henry Winchester from Normal, Illinois. He knows dad's birthday, the exact place where he was born. Dude, that's our grandfather. Dean says, I'm just saying before we break out the warm and toasties, let's not forget that HG uh, Wells over there left out high and dry when he was a kid. Sam says, but maybe he didn't run out on dad. I mean, not on purpose. Maybe he time traveled here and I don't know, got stuck. Dean says, yeah, well, either way, dad hated the son of a bitch. Sam says, and dad made up for that how? By being father of the year? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> when you're right, you're right. <laughs> A waitress sets trays of food down in front of Sam and Dean and says, here you go. Dean says, thanks. To Sammy says, look, dad had issues. Okay. But he was always there for us. I freaking hate time travel, man. So Sam and Dean carry the trays of food to the table where Henry is sitting down. Sam says, how you doing? Henry says, I'll be fine. After all, despite everything, I've just met my grandsons, haven't I? He holds out a hand to Sam and says, Henry Winchester, it's a pleasure. Sam shakes Henry's hand. Sam says, Sam. Henry says, hello, Sam. Henry holds out his hand to Dean, but Dean picks up a basket of food from the tray in front of Sam and sets it down in front of Henry and says, dinner. <laughs> little bitchy like, i am not talking to you guys <laughs> <feed> you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even though yeah. i hate you currently kind of <laughs> nobody should be hungry you know because <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's such a foodie he was he, like i can imagine that dean like thinks like that's probably the worst thing you could do to a person is like not give them food you know like, <laughs> you're probably right yeah you know? <laughs> i can see that he's totally. like okay like i hate you kind of right now but like but you still need to eat <laughs> i guess food is a thing you know <laughs> yep so sam says this is dean henry says right dean says well this has been touching how about we figure out how to clean up your mess huh henry says abaddon yes she must be stopped Dean says, how come she didn't die when I stabbed her? Henry says, because demons can't be killed by run-of-the-mill cutlery. At the very least, you'd need an ancient demon-killing knife of the Kurds. Dean takes his knife partway out of his jacket and says, that's what this is. Henry says, where'd you get that? Dean puts the knife back in his jacket and says, the demon gave it to me. We've been around this block so many times. He's like, nothing that you're going to tell me is new information, dude. <laughs> yeah. Sam says, now that portal or whatever it is you came through, is it still open? Henry says, I highly doubt it. Why? 
Sam says, I'm just thinking if we can't kill this Abaddon, Dean says, maybe we can shove her back for, uh, where she came from. How did you do it? Henry says, it's a blood sigil. Blood leads to blood or their next of kin. Sam says, but Abaddon came through it also, right? So can you create this blood sigil again? Henry says, my blood, an angel feather, tears of a dragon, a pinch of the sands of time. I would need those and at least a week for my soul to recharge. But yes, it's possible. Sam says, you tapped the power of your soul to get here? I thought only angels could do that. Henry says, you should know this. What level are you to? Dean <laughs> says, like, uh, I'm yeah. old, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dean says, what level? Henry says, level of knowledge. You're men of letters, correct? Sam and Dean look at each other. Dean says, I'm a little rusty on my boy bands. Men of what? Henry says, men of letters, like your father who taught you our ways. Sam says, our father taught us how to be hunters. Henry laughs and says, you're not, are you hunters? Well, hunters are, hunters are apes. You're supposed to be your legacies. Dean says, legacies of what? Like so saying cut- assholes are calling me an ape, by the way. I know. Yeah, He's that was a so, little like, rude. Sensitive, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we cut to the next day, and uh, the Impala is parked on the same street we saw in 1958. Henry gets out of the back seat, and Sam and Dean uh, get out of the front seats, and they walk down the street. Henry stops outside number 242. Henry says, "What's going on here?" The sign above the door reads Astro Comics. The symbol is still visible, um, carved into the door, but it's partly worn away. Henry touches it and says, no. Dean says, all right, well, this was enlightening. Let's hit the road, huh? Sam says, give him a minute, Dean. Dean says, we just spent four hours driving, okay? All he did was stare out the window and request Pat Boone on the radio. He had his time. Henry says, it's just a facade, a way to look our enemies into believing we are housed elsewhere. That was a weird ass sentence I just said, but that's fine. (laughs) Dean says, okay, enough with the decoder talk. How about you tell us what this whole men of letters business is, or you're on your own. Henry says, it's none of your concern. Dean says, why? Because we're hunters. What do you have against us? Henry says, aside from the unthinking, unwashed, shoot first and don't bother to ask questions later part, not much really. Sam says, you know what? Wait a second. We're also John's children. Henry says, you're more than that. Actually, my father and his father before him were both men of letters as John and you two should have been. Uh, we're beholders, chroniclers of all that. This is weird here. Of all that which man does not understand. We share our findings with a few trusted hunters, the very elite. They do the rest. Dean says, so you're like Yoda's to our Jedi's. Henry does not get it. He's like, okay. <laughs> Dean says, never mind, you'll get there. Sam says, okay, but if you guys are such a big deal, then why haven't we or anyone we know ever heard of you? Henry says, Abaddon. And Henry opens the door and walks inside. So Sam and Dean follow. Um, Sam says, Henry, why? Why did she do it? Henry holds up the small wooden box carved with the men of letter symbol. Henry says, I think for this. Sam says, okay, what's that? Henry says, I wish I knew. And he puts the box back into his pocket. 
He says, Abaddon attacked us the night of my final initiation. All secrets were to be, were to be revealed then. Dean says, let me get this straight. You traveled through time to protect something that does, you don't know what, from a demon you know nothing about. Henry looks at Dean and then walks down the hallway further into the store. Dean spreads his hands and says, good. Uh, Henry enters a room and stops some distance from the store counter where there's a young woman in black who's wearing a studded, a studded leather collar. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Sam and Dean come up behind him. Henry says, hand me your walkie talkie. Sam says, you mean my phone? Henry says, even better. And he holds Sam's phone up to his mouth. He says, operator, I need Delta 457. Dean says, who are you not calling? Henry says, our emergency number. Dean says, yeah, not anymore. And he hands the phone back to Sam. Like, nice Henry try, says, but uh, that's yeah. <laughs> Henry says, they can't all be gone. There must be another elder out there who can help us figure out how to stop Abaddon and what to do with the box. Dean says to the young woman behind the counter, hey, uh, hi, can we hijack your computer for a hot second? Henry laughs and says, like you could fit a computer in this room. He's so, he has no concern about completely like, like he has no tact, first of all, but also <laughs> you would think that he would be a little like wary of just like giving himself away and looking like an oddball and maybe having somebody pick up on something, you know, from him. Like, don't tell everybody that like you're from the past, essentially, you know, like yeah. somebody's like, like you can fit a computer in this room. It's like, okay, you either have dementia. <laughs> And you're living back, you know, in your younger years, or you're completely insane. One of the two. And like, you know, like, yep. he's just like, says whatever, does whatever in front of whoever. It's like, what is happening right now? It's like, he doesn't have like the right social skills, you know? Yeah. It's almost kind of like, why he's like, read the room, man. You know? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so the young woman says, sure. And Dean says, thanks. And he turns the laptop on the counter around. He says, Sam. Sam says, yep, all right, uh, give me a name. Anybody who uh, might've been there that night, one of those elders. Henry says, um, Ackers, David, Larry Gannon. Sam enters the names into a search engine and says, okay, here it is. Uh, August 12th, 1958, a tragic fire at a gentleman's club. Uh, 242 Gain Street. Henry says, this is 242 Gain Street, but that was no fire. The laptop shows a newspaper article from August 12th, 1958, titled Tragic Fire at the Gentleman's Club, Four Dead. Sam says, Larry Gannon, David Ackers, Ted Bowen, and Albert Magnus, all deceased. Henry says, Albert Magnus? Dean says, he a friend of yours? Henry says, even better. So we cut to a cemetery. It's nighttime now. Um, Henry and Sam and Dean walk through the gravestones. Sam and Dean have flashlights. Henry says, these are my friends, my mentors, our last defense against the Abaddons of the world. Dean shines his flashlight on a headstone. He says, here's your buddy, Albert Magnus. Henry says, Albertus Magnus. He was hardly a buddy. He was the greatest alchemist of the Middle Ages. Sam says, okay, so why is he buried here? Henry says, he's not. 
this was the alias we'd use when going incognito. I believe someone planted his name in that article so that if a man of letters came looking for answers, he'd know something was amiss. Sam says, so someone wanted you to come to this grave. Henry says, the question is why? Dean shines his flashlight on the men of letter symbol, which is carved into the headstone. He says, what is this? Henry says, our crest, the Aquarian star, representing great magic and power. They said, they say it stood at the gates of Atlantis itself. Sam says, hmm, it's on all the tombstones except for this one, uh, Larry Ganim. Sam shines his flashlight on the headstone that reads, Larry Ganim, March 23rd, 1926 to August 12th, 1958. Henry crouches down in front of the headstone, which has a different symbol carved into it. Henry says, the Haitian symbol for speaking to the dead. This is the message. You boys ever exhume a body? Sam and Dean so look like, at each have other. Have we ever? <laughs> <laughs> How many times is the real question? <laughs> exactly. So we cut back to Astro Comics. Uh, the young woman who works there is leaning over the customer side of the counter. Abaddon walks up behind her, still wearing the blood-stained evening dress. Abaddon says, love what you've done with the place. The young woman says, uh, wrong night. Carrie's screening on Sunday. I dig your costume, though. Abaddon puts a hand on the young woman's neck, and she says, what are you doing? Abaddon breathes black smoke into the young woman's mouth and says, show me what you've seen. The young woman's eyes turn cloudy gray, and we see flashbacks of Sam and Henry and Dean in the store. Dean in the flashback says, can we hijack your computer? Sam says, give me a name. Henry says, Ackers, David, Larry, Ganim. Sam says, tragic fire. Henry says, that was no fire. Sam says, Albert Magnus. Dean says, thanks. So still in the flashback, we see the laptop being turned around. Uh, one of the open windows is the um, McLean County obituaries search results for Larry Ganim. Um, then the black smoke flows from the young woman's mouth back into Abaddon's. Uh, the young woman says, please don't hurt me. Abaddon smiles. And the young woman, um, and then she notices that the young woman is wearing a black t-shirt with a pink picture of a high-heeled woman with a tail and the slogan, the devil made me do it. Abaddon says, I like your top. <laughs> so we cut back to the cemetery. Sam and Dean are digging out a grave. Uh, the coffin is now fully exposed. Henry crouches nearby. Dean says, tell me how we got stuck doing this. And Sam and Dean lift the coffin lid out of the grave. A skeleton wearing a suit lies in the coffin. Dean says, hey, was uh, Larry a World War I vet? Henry says, no. Dean says, well then, who's the stiff? Henry says, no idea. Sam looks at the metal tag on the skeleton's clothes and says, Captain Thomas J. Carey III. That mean anything to you? Henry shakes his head. Dean says, well, somebody wanted you to see this. So maybe that somebody is Larry. Sam says, so what? Maybe he uh, survives the attack and hides out with this guy's identity. Henry says, okay, what are we waiting for then? He walks off and yells, cover this up. Let's be on our way. Bossy, bossy. I know. God, you, have you cover it up. Here, dude, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we cut to a motel room. Uh, Sam is sitting at a table reading John's journal. Henry's on the couch whistling as time goes by. 
And Dean is using a laptop at the table next to Sam. Dean says, what is that? I know that tune. Henry says, as time goes by, I hope so. It's from Casablanca. Sam says, right. Dad used to whistle it from time to time. Henry says, your father saw Abbott and Costello meet the mummy at the drive-in one night. It scared the beeswax out of him. So I got him this little music box that played that song to help him sleep at night. It worked like a charm. Sam says, wow, that's hard to believe dad was ever scared of anything. Dean says, hey, uh, according to county records, Tom Carey lives in Lebanon, Kansas, and is a very happy 127-year-old. He closes his laptop and says, I say we get some shut-eye, head over first thing in the morning. Sam says, wait, 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 listen to this. According to dad's journal, he once tortured a demon that said he made his bones working for Abaddon, who, it turns out, is a knight of hell. Dean says, what does that even mean? Henry says, knights of hell are handpicked by Lucifer himself. They are of the first fallen, firstborn demons. Sam says, so very pure, very strong. Henry says, legend has it that archangels had killed all of them, which as we have witnessed is not the case. Dean says, unless she's the last of her kind. Henry uh, gestures to the journal and says, you say that belonged to your father? Sam says, yeah. Henry says, may I? So Sam, Sam slides a journal across the table to Henry. Sam says, it's a hunter's journal. I assume men of letters, you use journals too? Henry says, I intended to. I sent away for one the day before my initiation. He lifts a photograph tucked into the inside cover of the journal uh, to reveal the initials HW stamped into the leather. Henry says, as a matter of fact, judging by my initials here, this one, I believe. Dean says, that was yours? Henry says, it must have arrived after. I'm beginning to gather. I don't make it back from this time, do I? Sam says, we don't know for sure. All we do know is that dad never saw you again. Henry says, what did he think happened to me? Dean says, he thought you ran out on him. Henry says, John was a legacy. I was supposed to teach him the way of the letters. Dean says, well, he learned things a little differently. Henry says, how? Dean says, the hard way. Surviving a lonely childhood, a stinking war, only to get married and have his wife taken by a demon and later killed by one himself. That man got a bum rap around every turn. But you know what? He kept going. And in the end, he did a hell of a lot more good than he did bad. Henry says, I'm sorry. I wish I had been there for him. Dean says, yeah, it's a little late for that now, don't you think? And like, he gets okay, up and walks to the it, door. Dude, but like clearly there is circumstances outside of control here you know like <laughs> i know why is dean being so annoying about all this because he can i don't know <laughs> he just like has this idea and has had this idea his whole life about this person and he and is it's... not ready to give it up <laughs> yeah exactly um henry says it's the price we pay for upholding great responsibility we know that dean says your responsibility was to your family not some glorified book club Henry says, I was a legacy. I had no choice. Dean says, yeah, you keep telling yourself that. And he walks out the door and closes it behind him. Sam and Henry sit at the table for a few moments. Then Sam gets up and we hear the door open. Henry looks through John's journal. Uh, when he finally closes it sometime later, we see Sam and Dean, uh, both wearing jeans and t-shirts asleep on top of the covers of the beds. So we cut to morning. Dean is asleep. 
Sam hits him on the shoulder with a notepad and says, Hey, wake up. Dean says, what, what? (laughs) Sam says, Henry, he's gone. Dean says, where is he? Sam says, well, no idea. He just left a note saying he was going to fix everything. Dean says, yeah, or screw it all up. All right. And Dean gets up. We cut to a shop. Henry stands outside looking at a symbol in the window. Uh, He goes inside. The shopkeeper says, welcome traveler. What can I help you with? Henry says, I could use a tear of a dragon and a pinch of the sands of time, but don't bother wrapping it up. I'll be using it right away. The shopkeeper says, we don't carry those things here, but can I interest you in some kava root? It's great for anxiety. And really bad like, for your liver. He must be an liver. anxious person. Here's this, you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Henry says, in your window, Hunter signs. I know who you are and what you are. Now give me what I need so I can be on my way. The shopkeeper cocks a shotgun behind the counter and says, I agree. You should be going, stranger. Henry says, I understand. You don't know me, so you're reluctant to sell to me. Fine but please let me purchase some chamomile. And he lifts a spoonful of yellow powder from a dish that's on the counter. He says, for my restless nights before I go. And then he does a chant. Uh, Henry blows the yellow powder onto the shopkeeper who falls to the ground with a cry. Henry says, sleep well. We cut back to the motel room. Uh, Dean goes inside. He says, now we know what he meant by fix everything. Sam says, what? Dean says, he broke into the trunk, stole an angel feather. Um, do we want to guess that that's Castiel's angel feather? Probably. <laughs> I just I imagine him so. like plucking him, plucking little feathers out and being like, oh, here. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay. Um, Dean says, I'm guessing he's going to whip up another one of those blood spells and Marty McFly himself back to 1950. Sam says, to do what? Stop Abaddon before she strikes? Dean says, or grab dad and haul ass. Look, point is, he's doing it. Sam says, how? He still needs two ingredients for the spell. Unless, unless there's someplace nearby that sells real hoodoo. Sam opens the laptop. Dean says, I'll call Garth. Dean takes out his phone. Sam clicks on an item on a police scanner application on the laptop. Um, the voice on the police radio says all units possible homicide at Astro comics. Sam says, Hey, Dean says, Hmm. Sam says it just hit the wires. One dead at Astro comics. Dean says, Abaddon. Sam says, yeah, it has to be. Dean says, okay, so she's close. I'll go find Henry. You find Larry, figure out how to kill this chick. And Dean leaves the room. So we cut to inside a house, a woman pours tea. Larry sits in an armchair and Sam on a couch. Larry says, so Henry is dead. I was so sure that he had survived. Sam says, yes. Well, um, like I said, I found his journal and was hoping you could fill in the gaps and explain to me what happened that night in 1958. Larry says, it doesn't matter. They're gone. We're gone. Sam says, but Abaddon is not. Larry says, Abaddon was a hired gun. She killed us all that one night. Sam says, everyone but you. Larry says, she blinded me. It's a miracle I survived. The woman says, it's okay, dear. And the the woman walks over to Larry's chair and puts a hand on his shoulder. Larry leans over and kisses her other hand. Larry says, but she did not get what she came for. Sam says, the box. Listen, Abaddon is here and she wants this thing. So I need to know everything there is to know about it. 
Larry says, in the box is the key to every object, scroll, spell ever collected for thousands of years under one roof. It is the supernatural mother load. So we cut to a shop. Uh, Dean enters. Henry chants in Latin. Uh, Henry is speaking the words of the spell in front of a door on which those drawn the same symbol that he used in 1958. The symbol is glowing bright gold. Dean says, Henry, wait. Henry says, this is a risk I have to take. Dean says, and what if you die, huh? Who says you'll even survive a jump? Henry turns to face Dean and the symbol stops glowing. Henry says, you cannot begin to understand how I felt after reading John's journal. Dean says, oh, I think I can. See, I've read that thing more times than you can imagine. And it hurts every time. Henry says, maybe so, but you didn't let him down. I did, just like you said. Dean says, well, I was wrong. Henry says, no, no, you are right. And I'm going to go back and give him the life that he deserves, not the one he was forced to live. Dean says, and what if it's not meant to be? Henry says, then it will be. Dean says, how can you be so sure? Henry says, because it's the right thing to do. I can save him and stop Abaddon. That doesn't mean it's going to work that way. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Dean says, how? Henry says, by going back an hour before she attacks and making preparations. Dean says, if you do that and you change the past, me and Sam might cease to exist. Henry says, I'm aware that time is a delicate mistress, but I'm willing to bet on this being for the best, which is pretty fucked up. I know, granddad. like, mm, you might not make it, but that's fine, because I will, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, what? exactly. Dean says, listen, I understand that this is not your idea of a happy ending, okay? And that you're disappointed that me and Sam are mouth-breathing hunters, but you know what? We stopped the apocalypse. Henry says, if this works the way I planned, there will never be an apocalypse to stop. So we cut back to Larry's house. Sam says, so Abaddon wants the key so she can get her hands on it. Larry chuckles and says, can you imagine what she would do with that? Sam says, so how do we stop her? How do we stop Abaddon? Larry says, you don't. And he takes a pen out of his pocket and writes on a notepad. He says, if you know where the key is, then take it to these coordinates. And he hands the notepad to Sam. He says, throw it in, shut the door forever, and walk away. Sam says, wait, why would I do that? Larry says, because it is the safest place on earth, warded against any evil ever created. It is impervious to any entry except the key. Sam says, right, but then all that knowledge would be would be lost and gone forever. His little, his little uh, nerd sirens going off. He's like, don't lose the knowledge. I know, <laughs> he can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Larry says, and that is the price we have to pay for keeping it away from Abaddon. You do have the key, don't you? Sam says, I don't. Um, but uh, my brother, the woman stands up. Sam says, my brother does. The woman says, how rude. You haven't finished your tea, Sam. And the woman's eyes turn black and she hits Sam. He falls to the ground. Larry says, Abaddon. Abaddon says, the years have not been kind, Larry. Um, Dick, okay. I know, like, he's 127 years old. Of course, they haven't been kind. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God. What do you expect? <laughs> so Abaddon holds a knife, which she swings at Larry. Blood splatters onto an old photograph of Larry and the woman on the mantelpiece. Poor Larry. I know, right? 
Yeah. So we cut back to Dean. His phone rings. He says, Sammy. Uh, we cut back to Larry's house. Uh, Abaddon back in Josie's body and wearing the clothes of the young woman from Ast- the Astro comic shop. She sits with her feet on the kitchen table. Larry and the woman are dead in the next room. Abaddon into the phone says, no, much sexier. Try again. Dean says, Abaddon. Abaddon says, good boy. Now listen up. I want to make a good old fashioned horse trade. Henry in the key for your brother or he dies. Am I clear? Dean says, Crystal. Abaddon says, on the road to Larry's, there's a processing plant. Don't keep me waiting. So Dean hangs up. um, And Henry says, Abaddon has Sam. Dean says, she wants to trade you and the key for Sam's life. Henry says, if I could just go back, stop all this from happening. Dean says, and what if you can't? I can't take that risk. Not, Not with Sammy on the hook now. Henry says, I can't abandon my son, Dean. Not again. I need to do this. I'm sorry. And he turns back to the sigil on the wall and starts chanting again. The sigil starts to glow. Dean says, well, I'm sorry too. And he wraps his arms around Henry's neck from behind. (laughs) (laughs) Go night, night now. (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) So we cut to inside baby. Dean is driving. Henry, who's in the passenger seat, wakes up. Dean says, sorry about that. Henry says, no, you're not. You've wanted to do that since we've met. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Dean says, Henry, you need to understand something. When my dad died, I couldn't save him. No matter how bad I wanted to, I never want that to happen to Sam ever. If there's a chance that I can save him, I'm going to do it. He's my brother. He's the only family I got. So we cut to the processing plant. Dean and Henry uh, walk through the plant. Henry's hands are behind his back and Dean holds his arm. They enter a large room. Henry says, don't do it, Dean. Dean says, too late for that now. Abaddon and Sam are waiting in the room. Henry Henry says, that's the problem with you hunters. You're all short-sighted. Dean says, yeah, at least we're not extinct. Abaddon. We may be dumb, but we're not stupid. (laughs) He says, (laughs) I know, right? Um, He says, Abaddon, I'll send Henry over with the box. You do the same with Sam. No tricks. Dean puts, Dean, <laughs> Dean puts the box into Henry's jacket pocket. Abaddon says, my only interest is Henry in the key. You two are free to go. Dean gives Henry a shove. Henry doesn't move and Dean takes out his gun. Dean says, you can do the standing or you can do it crawling. Your call. Sam, whose hands are bound in front of him, starts walking towards Dean. Uh, Henry starts walking towards Abaddon. Sam pauses when he and Henry meet in the middle. Sam says, Henry, I'm sorry. Henry says, save it. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yep. So Sam keeps walking. Uh, Dean takes out a knife to cut the rope, binding Sam's hands. Sam says, don't do this, Dean. This is a bad idea. Dean says, shut your mouth. Let's go. He cuts the rope and Henry reaches Abaddon. Dean says, come on. So Sam and Dean try to leave the room, but with a motion from Abaddon, the door closes. Dean says, we had a deal. Abaddon laughs and says, surprise, I lied. And she shoves a hand into Henry's um, stomach, which is never good. (laughs) Nope, that's not going to end well. (laughs) Nope, that's like just a slow dying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sam says, Henry, and he starts to run towards Henry, but Dean puts a hand out to stop him. 
Dean says, wait, wait. Abaddon withdraws her hand and Henry gasps. His mouth is full of blood. We see that he is holding a gun behind his back and that his handcuffs were not fastened. Henry says, you're not the only one. And he shoots Abaddon under the tree, under the tree, under the <laughs> chin. <laughs> I am feeling a little festive today. <laughs> oh, that's why. Yeah. I'm wearing my, my little elf outfit, pajama <laughs> outfit. <laughs> okay. So Henry shoots Abaddon under the chin. Her skull glows with bright light. Um, we flash back to inside the Impala. Dean says, I'm going to do it. He's my brother. He's the only family I got. Henry says, so what are you thinking? Dean says, can you slow Abaddon down? Because if you can, I'll do the rest. We cut back to real time inside the processing plant. Abaddon says, woo, that, what a blast. Now give me the box. And she reaches into Henry's jacket pocket and takes out a pack of cards. She throws it to the ground. She screams and then says, where is it? We hear loud crashing noises and the lights go off and on and there's flying sparks. A little temper tantrum there. I know, right? <laughs> Abaddon Somebody says, needs oh. to learn to control their big emotions. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Abaddon says, okay, we can do this the hard way. And she grabs Henry's chin and attempts to breathe black smoke into his mouth. But it uh, seems to meet with an invisible shield. She shoves Henry and he falls to the ground. Sam runs to Henry to support him. Abaddon tries to move, but she is stuck in place. She screams again and sparks fly from the lights. Abaddon says, why am I stuck? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? A, I know. We get a flashback to inside the Impala. Henry carves a devil's trap into the head of a bullet and he hands it to Dean. Dean says, a devil's trap carved into the bullet. And Dean puts the bullet into a gun and hands the gun to Henry. Dean says, you're going to have to get close. And close means it could get ugly. Henry says, I know, but you do that for blood. So we cut back to real time inside the processing plant. Henry shakes slightly as he leans against Sam and looks at Abaddon. Abaddon says, you still didn't kill me. Dean says, no, but you'll wish we did. And then he cuts off her head with a machete. He says, the demon trap in your noggin is going to keep you from smoking out. We're going to cut you into little stakes and bury each strip under cement. You might not be dead, but you'll wish you were. Henry says, we did it. Dean crouches down in front of Henry. Dean says, no, you did it. For a bookworm, that wasn't bad, Henry. Henry smiles and says, I'm sorry I judged you two so harshly for being hunters. I should have known better. Mm -hmm. Sam says, uh, yeah, <laughs> Sam says about Henry says, you're also Winchesters. As long as we're alive, there's always hope. Sam and Dean look at each other. Henry says, I didn't know my son as a man, but having met you two. And then Henry takes Dean's hand with his right hand and holds out his left hand to Sam. Henry says, I know I would have been proud of him. And then Henry dies. Sam and Dean look at each other. And then Sam looks down at the box, which Henry put into his hand. Sam looks back up at Dean, who looks down with sadness. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I shouldn't say that I'm like beat up over Henry dying. I didn't like that he died, but like, also... I'm not sure that I even liked him all that much to begin with. So. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love him, but he came around in the end. You yeah, know he what came I mean? around. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so we cut to the cemetery. Uh, it's night. Sam hammers across a grave marker into the ground and then stands next to, next to Dean in front of the grave. H. Winchester is carved into the cross. Sam says, I get it now. Dean says, hmm? Sam says, what Cupid said about heaven busting ass to get mom and dad together, the Winchesters and the Campbells, the brains and the brawn. Dean says, well, I'm glad you see it. All I see in our family tree is a whole lot of dead. I mean, that's a fair analysis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he takes a photograph out of his pocket and says, hey, I uh, found this in Henry's wallet. Dean hands the photo to Sam. It's the picture of Henry holding a baseball and John holding a bat uh, that Henry was looking at at the diner. Sam says, dad looks happy. And he hands the photo back to Dean. Dean says, it kind of makes you wish he knew the truth, huh? I mean, all those years thinking his old man ditched when the poor son of a bitch really came here and saved our bacon. Freaking time travel, man. <laughs> Sam He's says, like, what the heck? Yeah. He's like, Sam says, um, you think it would have made a difference? Dean says, what? Sam says, dad, if he had had his own father around. Dean says, what? And how he raised us? Sammy, he did the best he could. Sam says, I know that. I do. They all did. Sam takes the box out of his pocket. Dean says, what are the chances that place is still standing? Sam says, a chance we've got to take, I guess. I mean, we are legacies, right? And credits. Okay, so my thoughts. I have a few for this episode. Okay. Um, First of all, Dean is really harsh to Henry, which given the history up until this point, I understand. But like, he just like is completely shut down to try and like hear anything yeah. from him, which is kind of like, dude, really? It's annoying. Like and grow up a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Like pull your head out of your ass. Yeah, like, even if you, like, you should make your own decision based off, like, to see if you like him or not, based off of your experience with him, not somebody else's, because you never met the guy until now, you know? Right, yeah. But, I don't know, that was just kind of, like, frustrating throughout the episode to me, because he just was a little too much. <laughs> and it's just, like, it's it's just, like, everything that Dean is, like, saying and feeling is just John yeah saying and feeling it you know what I mean mm -hmm. like so that was annoying to me yeah like have your own opinion <laughs> yeah yeah but, I mean you know whatever biases are biases I guess but still like do better Dean you know yeah and he was fine at the end you know yeah he, was. he did eventually get there but it took him a while mm. also I didn't really love Henry myself at first <laughs> Because yeah. he's just like so <sighs> he has no tact mm -hmm. and like doesn't really seem to like care about Sam and Dean at all even though like I mean at the end he did obviously but it's just kind of like <sighs> I'm gonna do my own thing because it's what I need to do I don't care about you yeah, all it's he like, cared about is getting home to his son. So his son didn't think he ran out on him. Yeah, which fair. Mm -hmm. But also at a certain point, like you have to realize like, okay, but you're not like by changing that history, that doesn't necessarily mean that something better is going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so yeah, you never know. 
that was kind of a frustrating thing but that's you know kind of the whole episode just kind of frustrated me here and there <laughs> yeah same here it's a good episode but it's a frustrating episode um okay also so like with the whole angel feathers in the trunk thing like <laughs> do you think that dean and sam were like hey you need to give us some feathers just in case or do you think Cass was like hey let me give you some feathers so that just in case you need them or like how do you think they came across them did they just like you know did Cass flap his wings too hard and shed some feathers and was like oh you should keep these just in case you know <laughs> like what or did they pluck them out <laughs> i know did they're like hey we're gonna need some of these and just rip them out on their own like <laughs> you know like Oh, I don't know. Maybe they're not even Castiel's. Maybe they're, you know, feathers of dead angels they've come across. You know what I mean? Like, that Maybe. seems like that would be the easiest way to not hurt someone by ripping pieces of them out. But yeah, I mean, but, I feel like Cass would be the person to do that, though. <laughs> yeah, he would be. Like, do you think they just, you know, with the ones that they've killed, have they like just stolen feathers you think you think that's how they got them i mean i think that if you're gonna kill someone you might as well steal their stuff too (laughs) i know right (laughs) i mean it's the next logical thing (laughs) they're already dead what do they need it for (laughs) that's fair (laughs) yeah yeah it's an interesting interesting one (laughs) but anyways I don't know I'm kind of I like to think that Cass was just like here's some feathers in case you need them you know but and he might have been you know maybe they were doing a spell that required a feather of an angel and And you know he gave them you know yeah exactly like here maybe it's you know no skin off his sack to like you know (laughs) just present them with a few yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) off his back oh boy (laughs) yeah I mean yeah I could see that so um also like to me it didn't really make sense that when Henry is like bleeding out because Abaddon like gut punched him (laughs) yeah why didn't they even try and call Cass I don't know that kind of bothered me because it's like okay like we don't know what to do um Cass could easily fix this yeah why aren't you even trying you know like that's weird um I can't remember if it happened I don't think it happened in this episode I think I'm thinking of the next episode where they're like you know can't get a hold of Cass that's not a spoiler yeah not really yeah but still like we don't know that at this point so the fact that like they didn't even try and that's the thing is even if you can't get a hold of him you're not even gonna try and get a hold of him yeah you know like that's just kind of weird to me that I feel like there are people dying throughout the series that they don't try and have cast save though so oh for sure but that is an answer you know (laughs) right yeah I don't know it was just weird but I don't know maybe they thought he was too far gone yeah I don't know Maybe it didn't um, cross their minds. It didn't cross my mind at all. Yeah, it definitely did cross mine. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You have an option, you know, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, so also, do you think that I would hope that the boys, when they buried Henry, didn't just bury like his body, but like 
salted and burned him like gave him like a hunter's burial yeah i was wondering that why they didn't do the whole like you know hunter's funeral pyre you know yeah and i mean to be fair they could always like have put him in the hole and then salted and burned him and then covered him up but maybe they did maybe they did i don't know it was just kind of weird that they didn't like show that maybe it's just like we're just supposed to assume that they did it Mm-hmm. you know I don't That's know it's a little weird yeah the hunter's burials you never see them burying them you see them just burning, burning them. them yeah so right. I don't know it was just kind of an odd thing to me mm-hmm. but that's weird whatever um <laughs> so what was your favorite moment from this episode well I didn't like a lot <laughs> to be honest I yeah. I didn't like hate this episode or anything like this is an okay episode yeah um but I didn't like really love anything so yeah to me it was kind of like a episode that sets up other episodes not like a mm-hmm. you know, standalone yeah. one you know but um the moment that made me giggle I guess was <laughs> when um Henry when they were in the graveyard and Henry was like, have you guys ever exhumed a body? Like, and Sam um, and Dean just looked at each other like, ugh. Like, not again. Yeah. <laughs> so I really like that. I also really liked that that part early in the episode where you meet, uh, you meet Josie before she's possessed. And mm-hmm. she's got that weird intimacy thing going on with Henry. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I want to know more about that, you know, like. Mm-hmm. like we don't know if john like did we ever know about john's mother you know maybe his mom I wasn't don't remember i don't think so yeah maybe his mom wasn't around anymore for whatever reason and he was doing something with josie or starting something with josie or you know i mean clearly at the very least she was his work wife you know yeah but at the very least yeah yeah. (laughs) there was something happening there There there's something happening there and I just want to know what so (laughs) yeah yeah I know it's kind of weird it's just kind of like okay but yeah I don't know yeah So. so what was your favorite moment um I think that my favorite moment that was even through like all the angst that they had with each other like the boys finally figured out that like Henry didn't actually ditch John. So that was kind of like a family issue resolved for them. Like, cause yeah. there wasn't like, I didn't have a bunch of favorite moments. I really love Abaddon's hair. Oh yeah. She has the most like awesome, like red color hair with like the different, you know, so that was kind of one of those like, Oh, I love her hair, but that was, yeah. I wouldn't call that a favorite moment, but yeah, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite moment was um definitely that the boys kind of figured out that it wasn't like they didn't have to be angry with henry anymore right you know like i don't know because yeah that's all i could come up with (laughs) yeah that's okay That's that's like my most favorite moment but i wouldn't say i like loved it you know necessarily Mm -hmm. but i did appreciate it yeah so yeah anyway (laughs) um the interesting facts from the episode (laughs) um 
It says the symbol of the men of letters is worn by Mary Winchester, uh, Sam and Dean's mom, as a charm on her bracelet in um, season four, episode three in the beginning from 2008, Mm -hmm. Um, which I remember her having a charm bracelet, but I don't remember what was on it. (laughs) I think I've seen it like a million times on Tumblr. So that's the only reason I know. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I don't remember what it looks like, but I remember there being one. Um, it says Jensen Ackles, who plays Dean, was really sleeping in this episode. Uh, the director had Jared Padalecki, Sam, uh, wake him up and they used his real reaction in the final cut. <laughs> uh, I like that. Um, it says uh, the men of letters symbol is most likely derived from the unicursal hexagram. That's interesting. Um, an important symbol in Solema. Salima, I'm not totally sure. Uh, the religion of famed occultist Alistair Crowley, who inspired the shows Alistair and Crowley. Yeah, cool. Um, it says the title of this episode um, is from the 1931 song of the same name that the character Sam, um, the character Sam sings in Rick's bar. So Sam sings in Rick's bar. Oh, wait, no. What? In Casablanca, the character Sam. I thought okay. they were talking about. And I was like, "What?" I have. I was like, Casablanca. "I don't remember Jared Padalecki singing." But I, I know. I was you. like, "He did not sing." So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no, the character Sam from Casablanca sings it in Rick's bar in the film um, from 1942. Um, it says this is the first time that a devil's trap has been carved on a bullet and used to shoot a demon. Um, doing this traps the demon and the person they're using so they can't smoke out and holds the possessed um, and demon in a single spot unable to move. Um, pretty cool. Pretty nifty trick. <laughs> yeah. Um, it says, last on, this is the last on-screen acting appearance of George Toledos, um, Larry, who plays Larry Gannon, who's the old guy, right? Okay. Yeah, the blind guy. Mm-hmm. Um, who passed away December of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, um, as Henry is slipping through John's journal, an image of a skeleton like creature is shown. Um, this is the logo used for rogue dead guy ale, which is brewed in Oregon. Um, and the beer was shown in a previous episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the introduction of Abaddon portrayed by actress, Elena Huffman. Um, she does such a good job. She's just mm-hmm. fun to watch. Yeah, she's really fun. Like, she plays a really good, like, snarky, sassy, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, demon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, or I guess, Night of Hell. Um, so, kind of demon. Um, it says Henry Winchester's first name likely comes from Henry Repeating Arms Company, a firearms manufacturer, must like Winchester. Which, mm. I mean, who knows? But that's kind of a cool thought. Mm hmm. Um, it says Gil McKinney plays Henry Winchester, the grandfather of Sam and Dean. Um, in real life, McKinney is 11 months younger than Judson Ackles. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, a cool guy. I, have you ever seen him at a convention? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So remember the last convention that we were at when, so I think you were in the, the Q and a room already or the, the auditorium or whatever ballroom, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. And, um, Kelly and I were catching up from, I think it was a photo op or something. Maybe okay. I don't totally know, but I, all I remember is Kelly going, Hey, Hey, Hey. And I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> what's going on? 
because Gil and his like handler, you know, yeah. were like walking straight by us. And like, he was like, you know, Hey, sort of th- like, but not really, Aww. I guess he was like, he like made eye contact with us slash mostly Kelly because I was oblivious apparently. Um, and I was, you know, wandering and walking through and, um, she's like, look, 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 that was Gil. That was Gil. And I'm like, huh? You know, (laughs) I don't know what's happening. What's going on. And I like looked up as he's passing and he was kind of like making eye contact as we were going by. And I was just kind of like, oh, hi, (laughs) you know, oh my God. I feel dumb because that happened (laughs) multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta, you gotta like keep your eyes up. I know. I was just like, you know, I walk with a purpose. You know, <laughs> I think that happened with Gil. That happened with Misha. And that happened with, oh, who else was it? There was somebody else that I don't remember. Um, it happened with um, DJ. Yes. When right. we were going in the vendor's room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that like I need to pay better attention to my surroundings. <laughs> Travis tells me that like all the time. <laughs> like we'll be driving, and he's like, "Oh, did you see that?" And I was like, "No." And he's like, "How could you not?" It's like because I was looking this way, and you were looking this way. You know, <laughs> like yeah, that's how. But like it happens, it happens frequently. Or he's like, I'll be like, "Oh, look at that truck." He's like, "Did you see what it was pulling?" No, you know, like <laughs> saw the truck, had no clue what was behind it. You know, like. <laughs> but yeah I I am not very observant (laughs) (laughs) turns out that's okay it is what it is (laughs) um so uh, the next interesting fact it says when Henry Winchester finds out he's traveled forward in time to 2013 he says 2013 my god I guess the Mayans were wrong (laughs) He's referring to the Mayan prediction that the world would come to an end on December 21st, 2012, um, a prediction that many people around the world took seriously. I definitely, like, I remember, because this was, what, two years after um, I uh, graduated high school, I vaguely remember people, like, freaking out about the whole 2012 thing. Um, Yeah. But... Uh, I remember... um uh being one of those people freaking out about it (laughs) (laughs) because I'm like anytime someone's like the world's gonna end I'm like oh my god you're right yeah it's gonna end so um yeah I was I think I like I think I got real drunk (laughs) I was just like like let's celebrate the end of the world Uh." yeah I don't and then I remember feeling very foolish the next day. Yeah. I really don't remember much about it other than everybody was freaking out about it for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I vaguely remember maybe seeing something on the news that somebody was kind of like, oh my goodness. And it's like, yeah, okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't like, okay, well, we'll see, you know, like, <laughs> chances are this is completely wrong. Somebody, ha- you have to get tired of writing at some point, you know, like, <laughs> they're chiseling out their little calendar going, oh my gosh, I think this is far enough in advance, you know? Like, you know I think the people then will get it. Yeah, like, they'll, they'll to continue the calendar on. at that point, you know? Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. And everybody's like, nope, this is the end. <laughs> it's like, or they just got tired of chiseling, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or writing or whatever they did. I don't know what the calendar was on, but still, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, it says um, in the scene in Astro Comics, uh, Dean is seen standing in between a poster of Wonder Woman and Batman. Um, Jensen Ackles was once up for the role of Batman, um, while Adrian Palicki, who I have no idea who that is, um, um she is the girl that played jess sam's jess okay um she played the um wonder woman for a pilot um in 2011 yeah woman. like didn't get picked up or for whatever reason it, they never went past the pilot so yeah i don't yeah i have no idea about any of that other than i know jensen ackles i know a lot of people wanted jensen ackles to play batman but i didn't know he was once even up for the role you know mm-hmm. um i know he dressed up as batman one year for <laughs> for halloween i remember seeing that picture mm-hmm. um so it says uh, normal illinois is a real town in central illinois but the area henry winchester walks around in the beginning of the episode does not exist uh nor did it in 1959 <laughs> okay um and it says uh dean calls abaddon betty crocker um which is a reference to the brand and associated character of cooking slash baking products Mm -hmm. um and then the last one is the introduction of the men of letters um this is the introduction of the men of letters um sam and dean's ties to the men of letters and the men of letters um bunker which is the you know storage for all of it but yeah yep cool so our research from this week is the top six theories about Atlantis, um, mm. because it was mentioned briefly. <laughs> it was mentioned. That's right. <laughs> um, and this is off of history.com. Um, so it says six of the most notable theories about the lost civilization of Atlantis, one of the most enduring legends in history. Um, so the first one is Atlantis was a mid-Atlantic continent that suddenly sunk into the ocean. Um, it says the idea that Atlantis was an actual historical place and not just a legend invented by Plato didn't surface until the late 19th century. In his 1882 book, Atlantis, the Andalusian, I'm guessing, a, a, no, Antediluvian world, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the writer Ignatius Donnelly argued the accomplishments of the ancient world, such as metallurgy, language, and agriculture, must have been handed down by an earlier advanced civilization as the ancients weren't sophisticated enough to develop these advances on their own. Assuming the Atlantic Ocean was um, only a few hundred feet deep, Donnelly described a continent flooded by shifting ocean waters that sank in the exact location Plato said it did, in the Atlantic Ocean just outside the Pillars of Hercules, um, the two rocks that mark the entrance to the Straits of Gibraltar. Um, Long after modern oceanography and a greater understanding of plate tectonics poked holes in the shifting water thesis, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, some continued to cling to Donnelly's theory, mostly due to its adherence to Plato's placement of Atlantis in the mid-Atlantic. The second one was Atlantis was swallowed up by the Bermuda Triangle. Um, Inspired by Donnelly, many later writers expanded on his theories and added their own speculations um, as to where Atlantis may have been. One of these writers was Charles Berlitz, a grandson of the founder of the well-known language schools and author of many books on paranormal phenomena. In the 1970s, Berlitz claimed Atlantis was a 
real continent located off the Bahamas that had fallen victim to the notorious um, Bermuda Triangle. I think I said notorious right there, but I meant notorious. <laughs> you did say notorious. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> it says a region of the Atlantic where a number of ships had supposedly disappeared after mysterious circumstances or under mysterious circumstances. Oh boy, here we go. Okay. <laughs> Supporters of this theory point to the discovery of what looked like man-made walls and streets found off the coast of Bimini, um, although scientists have evaluated these structures and found them to be natural beach rock formations. That seems suspicious. I know, like, okay, but like, if they look like walls. Walls and streets walls? And stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, Huh. whatever <laughs> even if they're natural walls they're still walls <laughs> <laughs> um, so number three is atlantis was antarctica um, another theory that atlantis was actually a much more temperate version of what it um what is now antarctica is based on the work of charles hapgood um, whose 1958 book earth's shift earth <sighs> earth's shifting crust that's hard to say <laughs> um, featured a forward by Albert Einstein. Um, according to Hapgood, around 12,000 years ago, the Earth's crust shifted, displacing the continent that became Antarctica from a location much further north than it is today. Um, this more temperate continent was home to an advanced civilization, but the sudden shift to its current frigid location doomed the civilians' inhabitants, the Atlanteans, and their magnificent city was buried under layers of ice. Hapgood's theory surfaced before the scientific world gained a full understanding of plate tectonics, which largely, largely relegated his shifting crust idea to the fringes of Atlantean beliefs. <laughs> um, number four, the story of Atlantis was a mythical retelling of the Black Sea Flood. Um, this theory presumes Atlantis itself was fictional, but the story of its demise was inspired by an actual historical event. The breaching of the Bosphorus, or Bosporus by Mediterranean Sea and subsequent flooding of the Black Sea around 5600 BC. Um, at that time, the Black Sea was a freshwater lake half its current size. The flooding inundated civil the civilizations known to flourish along its shore with hundreds of feet of seawater in a short period of time, perhaps less than a year. As inhabitants of the region scattered, they spread tales of the deluge and may have led thousands of years later to Plato's account of Atlantis. Um, number five, five <laughs> is <laughs> Atlantis is the story of the Minoan civilization, which flourished in the Greek islands circa 2500 to 1600 BC. Um, one of the more recent Atlantean theories concerns the civilization that flourished on the Greek islands of Crete and Thera, um, now Santorini, more than 4,000 years ago. The Minoans, named for the legendary king Minos. Um, Believed to be Europe's first great civilization, the Minoans built splendid palaces, constructed paved roads, and were the first Europeans to use a written language, which is Linear A, which I've never heard of. Um, nope. It's probably like our, like, it is somehow similar to our language, and I have no idea. You know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Um, at the height of their power, however, the Minoans suddenly disappeared from history. An enduring mystery that has fueled belief in a link between this great doomed civilization and Plato's Atlantis. Historians believe around 1600 BC, a massive earthquake shook the volcanic island of Thera, triggering an eruption that spewed 10 million tons of rock, ash, and gas into the atmosphere. 
Tsunamis that followed the eruption were large enough to wipe out Minoan cities throughout the region, a devastation that may have made the Minoans vulnerable to invaders from the Greek mainland. Um, and the, the other theory is Atlantis didn't exist at all. Plato invented it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Um, it says most historians and scientists uh, throughout history have come to the conclusion that Plato's account of the lost kingdom of Atlantis was fictional. According to this argument, the Greek philosopher invented Atlantis as his vision of an ideal civilization and intended the story of its demise to be a cautionary tale of the gods punishing human hubris. No written records of Atlantis exist outside the plate or outside what? No written records of Atlantis <laughs> exist outside of Plato's dialogues, including in any of the numerous other texts that survive from ancient Greece. Furthermore, hmm. despite modern advances modern advances in oceanography and ocean floor mapping no trace no yeah no trace of such a sunken civilization has ever been found that was rough i'm sorry <laughs> that was okay you did fine oh <laughs> don't so worry that's about the it research <laughs> atlantis <laughs> i don't know i like i i don't think atlantis exists I feel like if somebody were to prove that, you know, anything, I would be like, oh, okay, you know, like I wouldn't be like, no, you know. Yeah. But also it's like Bigfoot for me, you know, like could it yeah. exist? Possible. Do I think it exists? No. You know, like <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like I, I think it's kind of a fun story, but not I apologize to any Atlanteans we're offending right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't be a thing. I'm just saying, like, I don't feel like there's enough evidence for me to believe that it's a thing, you know. <laughs> but I could be proven wrong. You never know. Same thing with like Bigfoot or whatever, you know, like yeah. If somebody were to be like, here's some actual evidence, then great, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, right. There it is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what was your idiot or aspect moment from today? Okay. So, uh, when I picked Killian up from school, um, Eric is usually with me and he kind of runs out of his classroom and runs up to one of us and hugs us. And then, you know, asks to play on the playground for a little bit. And, mm -hmm. um, the other day he comes out of the classroom and he just like slowly trudges over to us. And I'm like, oh no, what is the matter? Like something's not right here. <laughs> yeah. So he comes over and he hugs me and he's like, I don't feel good. And I'm like, oh no, like you're dying. Like, what? <laughs> like yeah. what's wrong? And he's like, my head hurts. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, he's, he's had headache problems in the past. So yeah. I'm like, you know, let's just go home and I'll give you some Advil and you know, you can just chill out until your head feels better. And he's like, yeah. okay. So we get in the car and he was kind of like answering my questions. And then, I mean, it's only like a five minute drive to our house. Um, at some point, like maybe three minutes away from the house, he stops answering the questions. He's just like going, mm -hmm, mm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like, you know, whatever <laughs> his head yeah. must really be hurting him. Right. So yeah. So we get into the house and he goes right into the bathroom, which is like right next to our front door. Mm -hmm. And I hear like splattering on water sounds. And I was like, oh no, he's throwing up. Like, like, oh God. Yeah. I mean, great. He's got it in the toilet. Like that's never happened before. You know? Know. <laughs> so 
but he comes out and he's like, I threw up. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, let's, let me take your temperature. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, you don't understand. I threw up in the car and I was like, you did like, you, you got to tell us so we can clean it up, you know? And he's like, no, yeah. I threw up in my mouth and I held it in my mouth until we got to the bathroom. <laughs> That's so gross. I feel okay. And the reason he did that is because <laughs> a couple months ago, uh, we were at a friend's house who lives about an hour away and we hung out there all day. And then when we got in the car to come home, he was like, you know, I don't feel good. Like my back hurts, my head hurts. And he's just like, we're like, dude, we're like an hour away from home. Like there's nothing we can do about it right now. Kind of keep it together, man. Yeah. I was (laughs) like, I mean, of course a six-year-old is going to like continuously whine if he doesn't feel good, you know? Yeah. But like, we were just like, just feeling helpless about it, you know, cause there's nothing we can do except like try to get home. Right. Yeah. And after about 20 minutes of whining, he threw up in the car everywhere uh, like all over the floor all over the seat he was in like the car seat all over himself and uh, you know when we through such a stink about it have having to clean it up that he felt bad enough that he when he threw up again in the car he felt held like it he in. had to hold it yeah and not <laughs> get it everywhere and it's not like when we were throwing a stink about it we made him feel like, I mean, we must've made him feel bad, but like, we weren't like, how could you do this or anything? We were just yeah. like, ew, gross. Like, yeah, like, ew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We weren't, yeah. We weren't like never throw up in the car again or anything. Like, yeah. You got to throw up. You, you got to throw up. You can't do this. This is not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what part of, we just, we're just complaining about having to clean it, I guess. Well, I mean, like I probably would a little too, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, it's pretty gross, but poor guy. I just feel like such an ass, butt for making him feel that he had to hold puke in his mouth, you know, for like three minutes, like that must've felt like an eternity and just, oh, it's so awful. So anyway, I'm an ass, butt. I don't think you're an ass, but I think it's completely like reasonable to be grossed out by puke, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah. but Hey, side effect. At least you didn't have to clean up puke out of the car again. I know. And <laughs> right after he puked, his headache went away and he didn't have a fever. So, huh. Hey, he was like better and like ready to hang. So I mean, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he just had to puke. Yep. Sometimes you just need to puke, you know, like I can't tell you how many times I've just been like, I feel like crap and I know that I need to puke. And if it happens, like I'm going to feel so much better. And then you do, and you just feel so much better, you know? Uh, Oh yeah. I have done a lot of puking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not so much a puker. I've puked a few times, but like not really much since I was a kid, you know, like Mm. maybe a couple of times, but Mm -hmm. not really. Yeah. Thank goodness. I can like make myself puke without having to shove my hand down my throat anymore. Like I've, I've reached that level. <laughs> it's just like, look at the toilet and here we go. Yeah. yeah. I can just do it. <laughs> I, I was stop. telling Killian that the other day and he was just like amazed and in awe. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you don't need to like aspire to do that. You know, like, I know, like this is not something <laughs> that people should want to do. You know? Yeah. Like- and I was like, how about we don't tell your friends, like parents about this? And if, you know, I'm sure they're not listening to this podcast, so that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm sure uh, what, it's was, fine. <laughs> what was your idiot or aspect moment? 
Okay, so I had a dirty rat ass butt spider crawling around in my coffee cup. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> like, this was, oh gosh, I don't remember what it was. We were podcast, or we were just about to podcast. It wasn't that long ago. And <laughs> like, I go and I pick up my coffee mug and I'm like, I'm going to take a drink of my coffee. And then I like look down and there's a, a little spider crawling around on the inside of my cup. And I'm just like, you know, like, yeah, this is one oh, of those times that I should make myself puke. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh God, you know, like this is the worst. Like, have I already drank one? Is this the only one? I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> ew, you know That's it disgusting. wasn't that big, but I don't know how it got in there. Like, did it crawl up the side of my cup and in, did it like drop down from the ceiling and it was small enough that I didn't see like, I don't know, Ew. but whatever. I am not okay with it. <laughs> Ew. I'm going to check my coffee cup right now. I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm like looking at mine too. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh-uh. <laughs> that is very upsetting. I am not a spider person. And that just like is kind of the worst thing to even like ever think about, <laughs> let alone yeah. like, have it happen. So yeah, that spider was a little ass, butt and decided to invade my coffee mug and I am not okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever had, had a spider like close to my mouth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't think that's ever happened. I've had one on my head before. Yeah. I've had, I've had one. Oh, I'm trying to think like. I had one on my pillow one time. Like I literally, I don't remember if we've already talked about this on the podcast at some point, because I feel like spiders get brought up somewhat frequently, Yeah, (laughs) but like I was laying down in my bed and like, I had just made my bed and was moving everything around. And I like looking around, totally nothing there. I literally like get into bed, lay down, open my eyes, like three seconds later and there's a spider just sitting there on the pillow looking at me eyeball to eyeball and I was like that is I awful lost my marbles and this is when I was living at my parents house back mm-hmm. oh gosh I was probably in like high school maybe yeah. when this happened and I was like oh my god and I had to like get my dad to come in and like tear apart the bed to try and find it and he never found it ew like I hate it. I don't know where it was. I never saw another one again in there. But like, mm-hmm. where'd it go? I don't know. Like, <laughs> who knows? This one time, I was um, I was at my dad's, and he's got like a this kind of like steep hill that you can walk down through some woods, um, and at the bottom is like this really like tranquil creek that's like you know rocks. It's beautiful. It's yeah, mm-hmm. it's a nice place. Killian loves to go play down there. And I was like, oh, hey, I'm going to like go outside and join in an adventure with them, you yeah. know, instead of just like, the reindeer games. <laughs> yeah, instead of like sitting in the living room on my phone for eight hours. Right. Yeah. So I go out there and we were, we're walking down the little trail and there's this low hanging branch and it like brushes against the side of my dad's head. Mm-hmm. And once he kind of like moved it out of the way, he had a big ass fucking spider on his head on the side of his head and okay. I was like oh my god dad oh my god <laughs> you have a spider on your head and he wasn't like freaked out at all you know he he just like kind of brushed the side of his head and the spider fell off but yeah. what was under the spider were three egg sacks ew and I was like oh 
I could like barely (laughs) I could barely even like get it out of my mouth that this was happening to him you know I was like XX XX and he just like he just like casually brushes them off and I was like I'm going back inside I'm never going outside again this is the worst yeah 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 I was like I'm never going down to that creek again. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I haven't. Yeah, <laughs> and this like, was like three years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's like this is not worth it. You know, like no, I am traumatized. I can't believe my dad was like fine with that. I'm like, you had three like pulsing, bulging egg sacs on your head. Yuck. Like, whoa. Okay. Ugh. All right. Well, thank you for listening to us in our <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us at idgits and aspects podcast at gmail.com the word and is spelled out you can also find us on facebook and instagram under idgits and aspects a supernatural podcast make sure to rate and review us on itunes and send us your idgit and aspect moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast thanks again thank you